Welcome to Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here with us today. Good morning, Houston. Good morning, Harris County. Good morning, Texas. Good morning, the United States of America. And of course, good morning to the world. And after being uh, reminded yesterday by the one and only, the engineer extraordinaire in our studio, that our signals also get to Louisiana. So good morning, Louisiana. As a part of the United States, we're singling you out as we beam our signals through the ionosphere right back to you. Anyhow, folks, we have a great show for you today. First of all, I want to remind you that if you don't, if we don't cover everything that is in that the newsletter that you got yesterday, again, or for those who haven't yet gotten the newsletter, you can always go to politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter, politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter, and you can click on all the videos, etc., that we intended to cover that we likely didn't get to cover live on the show. But without further ado, Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain, is here. And she says, good morning, universe. I love that. But you know what? We are a part of the universe. So, yes, good morning, Houston. Today is Neil Aquino Day, Thursday. And, you know, I realized that. I, you know, since the new year, I hadn't spoken to Brother Neil Aquino, and I'm just realizing after I realize it's a new year, Neil Aquino, Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year, Happy New Year, Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to the global audience. Yes, you know, and and before we get started, though, you know, we have to go directly to that wonderful room that makes everything happen, the control room with Howard Reynolds and Jack Ben Bieber. Good morning, my brothers. Well, good morning, Egberto. It's a good thing that Jack reminded you that uh, we broadcast to Louisiana because I might have forgot about that. <laughs> He's slipping. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I'm getting old, man. Yeah, I know. And in fact, I get a year older tomorrow. Oh, yeah, you do, don't you? I tell I you, but you know, you're, you're younger, brother. That's all. Well, younger than what? Dirt? <laughs> <laughs> I hear I'm you. I'm older than Jack and older than most of the people around here. So <laughs> I got it hey, made, man. But you know what? It proves, man. He's just the patriarch. I know, but getting old, he, he shows what getting older can be like. And we all look up to that. We know what getting older can be like, Jack. Anyway, oh, what's no. up? What's the word, Jack? Well, since it's Neil Aquino, I'm going to talk about fascism. All right. <laughs> okay. World War II, we were warring against fascism. Mussolini, Adolf Hitler, were just the head of the snake. Trump and Biden are a mouthpiece for the corporate industrialists. The problem is, was the neoliberal economic policies in Germany that the industrialists used to put Hitler in power. Our co corporate industrialists are doing the same thing here in America. Well, the fact is, Jack, how did that work out for him? I don't think it worked out very good because they blew Germany to bits and all the industrial stuff went under with it. So the industrialists here should take a look at that and go, oh, maybe that isn't a good idea. But it's so profitable for them. 
temporarily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, temporary profits. But however, in the long run, the rats are going to turn on you. Yeah. The, uh, the you know, I, I am glad that Howard just said that. I am so glad Howard just said that. How did it turn out after all? So, Jack, you know, man, what you're saying is great. And let's let, let them remember that. Hey, how did it turn out when you pushed it? Yeah. Okay. We're, we're, we're in a fight for our democracy now. Yeah. Egbert, the, the one thing to remember is to the politicians, well, to the industrialists who are buying the politicians, the rat that you bite, the rat that you buy today will bite you tomorrow. So yeah. beware. Yes. Yes. All okay, right. Let's get politics done right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I was wait. I was waiting for you guys to wrap up whatever you wanted to. I mean, you you know, hey, man, I, I, I love the preamble. But anyway, let me just say this, folks. Uh, I, I want to say that yesterday's show, I don't know whether for those who listen to it, I can't tell you how much I loved it. And the reason why I loved it, first of all, is I feel I felt it reaching folk. And after the show, folk reached out. And I it, it is a kind of program that I think we are supposed to be actually solving a problem or enlightening folks about what's going on, where people can sit down and say, ah, I kind of feel it now. I see it now, etc. If we're not making a difference, what the hell is the point? And in talk, I said to, for the beginning of the year, we are going to be concentrating on three major subjects, the economics, healthcare, and voting. And everything falls under that domain. Absolutely everything falls under that domain. So all, all our subjects eventually gets there. And I, I got that feeling that we, we, we touched a few yesterday, and I want to continue to do that. Now, today we have Brother Neil Aquino, great activist from, or not, I, I, I'm not going to call, I'm going to call him great, the, the founder of the Houston Democracy Project with us. And he kind of follows Harris County, specifically, I mean, the country's politics, but Harris County, uh, he, he, he f follows it very hard. And Harris County is a bellwether country, uh, county in the entire country, we are what happens in Harris County eventually promulgates itself throughout the country. So uh, the, the words that he's going to speak about uh, today has a lot of effects all over the country. Likewise, I want to remind folks, look, call us. I want to hear more than anything else. People's stories, whether they be healthcare or economics. Let me tell you something about uh, how, what we do here in America. Uh, we have a tendency to do what I call suffering in silence. There's a lot of stuff individually happening to each of us, right? And I don't know, out of, out of this false individualism that we have allowed ourselves to believe in, that allowed the, uh, that fomented the growth of the, that created the growth of the plutocracy, we somehow think that individualism means we have to be tough and just uh, accept the pain that we really shouldn't have to accept or that we shouldn't be enduring. I want us to open up. Uh, I, I, you know, I remember when I started speaking about my wife's lupus and how it affected our insurance. And I've been talking about this for over a decade and putting out these stories. And 
then getting people to say, oh, that happened to me too. When I talked about my daughter's two strokes and, 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 and the kind of financial issues that's created. And people are like, oh my God, that happened to me. When we spoke about when Obamacare was coming into fruition and the red side was really attacking it, etc. And we had a woman call in attacking me for uh, promoting Obamacare and letting people. And after, as we spoke, I looked at her and said, by the way, ma'am, your son that is currently going through these issues that has no care qualifies under Obamacare. And she called uh, and she called into the next show and said, oh, my God, you know, my son can get care. I didn't know. The job of this show is to say we don't sit down and hate on each other. We sit down and help on each other. And people start to realize. People start to realize that, oh, my God, we can't let these external forces. We can't let these external forces to work on us. Look, there are going to be some people that are completely unmutable. Like I have someone in the chat. Oh, Obamacare has done nothing. He says this is the person who has worked for corporate America, who has had corporate health care, who has never a day in his life. I'm speaking about you, my brother, Eric Hayes, never a day in his life lived the position of somebody who needed the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, 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 the Obamacare, the extended, what is it called? Medicaid, ad- the Medicaid addition to the Obamacare never needed that, never understood what it takes to get insurance for some people that Obamacare solved. It's asinine to say Obamacare did nothing when millions of people were helped with it. Now, folks, that's what we're here for. We're not here. We, we listen to our brother that is immutable in the chat right now, but we keep moving forward and we tell our stories. And I want you guys, when we're talking, when we're talking for you to call in, tell us your stories. It will, in fact, help other people. Your story, the story that we heard yesterday from Alice, the story that we heard yesterday from Mary, that helped other people. You know why I know that? Other people contacted and said, oh, thank you for talking about that. That's what we're into. We're not into being indoctrinated, being gullible by what the red has instituted into the minds of people like our brother on the chat right now, who seems immutable because of ideological uh, ideological blocks. But we are willing to open our mindset so that we can make changes. But without further ado, Brother Neil Aquino, Happy New Year, and it's great having you here, my brother. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all. Let me let me just build on what you just said for, for just 60 seconds, if I can. Uh, uh, look, about you, the, do it, brother. That's what we're here for. Open discussion. I was asked um, out of the blue from, from a friend to, in March, speak to a civic association in town um, that is protesting a bar. Uh, they don't want this bar to come in their community. And they've been having protests and one of the members of their protest uh, crew is in some legal trouble because he said some apparently libelous things about the, the, the bar that just weren't weren't seemingly potentially weren't true. And he's in some legal trouble. And so this group, which is uh, bilingual, a number of immigrants are now scared to come and protest uh, because they've seen the legal hassle that this one guy has. And I've been asked because of the, the Cornyn protest. 
Um, the John Cornyn protest each week that I'm at his office for with my colleagues, I've been asked to come and speak to this um, civic association to show them that here's a guy who's been protesting. No trouble has come to me. You have the First Amendment right. And uh, and 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 the person who who runs this homo uh, uh, civic association was concerned that these uh, immigrants and folks not used to protesting would be afraid to move forward uh, because their colleague um, has this legal trouble. So um, I was I was very proud of that, and I, I think that shows the message that you're saying: um, the capacity to make change and to listen to people's stories. And how now, if we can, you know, remind these folks that they have these rights, no matter if they're immigrants, no matter if they're Spanish speakers, uh, predominantly or bilingually, now they'll have the ability to protest and advocate um, and, and win uh, for the, for, against the bar or against, against the next fight. So that, that shows the capacity of just rank and file folks to make a difference. And even, even outside your, your, your own community, um, although all, all, there's, all, all community is connected. That is so right, uh, Neil. And again, I want to repeat to our audience, the, the only way these people could have taken advantage with us in healthcare and the economy, et cetera, is to keep us divided, is to keep us not talking to each other. I, I, I wrote a, a little piece on Daily Coast last night on, on um, it was on this issue with healthcare with one of the people who called into the three o'clock show. I'll play that tomorrow. Uh, but uh, this guy responded and I said, look, the only thing that's holding us back is the false belief that we should work together. The false belief that somehow we don't have the same problems that red and blue keep makes, you know, red and blue, you're still putting on your pants the same way. Red and blue, you still get the flu. Red and blue, you still need health care. Red and blue, you still need all these things that are quite equal in what you actually need. Don't let them blow your minds with crap. Don't let them blow your minds with crap to keep you separated and not working for the school. But anyway, Neil, you wrote two blogs that I completely love in these difficult times. You went ahead and you challenged statements by a couple of Democratic, uh, Democratic candidates that were campaigning or are campaigning here in Harris County. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Great, thanks. So this is on uh, the Houston Democracy Project blog. You can Google it, Houston Democracy Project, Houston Democracy Project. It's at neilaquino.com, uh, and there's a daily blog and, and, and a website. So uh, in, the, in the past week, I've written about uh, two state senators, just coincidentally, two Democratic state senators. Uh, one, uh, Roland Gutierrez, who represents San Antonio, also the Uvalde area, and he was campaigning here He's in the U.S. Senate primary with, with six candidates or a number of candidates, including state uh, U.S. Congressman Alred. And he was in town in November at a rally, and I asked him if he was going to talk about democracy issues. And he wanted to switch the focus to guns, which, which makes sense. You know, he, he represents Uvalde, and it is an important issue. I said, well, well what about democracy issues, though, as well? He, 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 can, he can speak about a lot of things. We can do two things at once or three things at once. And he told me, just 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 right out of the blue, he told me that guns pulled second with African Americans and third with Latinos, right? And so, why should I believe a word of anything he says after that when he's telling me that it's that it's all about polling? And and to take it further, 
we have this U.S. Senate primary to oppose Ted Cruz, and we have to defeat Ted Cruz. We can defeat Ted Cruz. He only won by three percentage points uh, last time. What U.S. Representative Alred and Senator Gutierrez, I'm going to base my vote in that primary on whom I think can best generate November turnout. Um, Senator Alred, uh, Representative Alred doesn't even have an issues page on his big website. So we, we have these people just winging it based on polls, not telling you they're going to do whatever they're going to do. They're going to spend millions of dollars in these primaries that's going to go to consultants, not going to build any structure, not going to empower any black and brown organizers, not going to empower any young women organizers or anybody. So we need to ask our representatives who are, who are seeking our vote, what what turnout are you going to generate? How are you going to, you just said Harris County was a bellwether. We need the turnout in Harris County to hold the county. We need to defeat Ted Cruz. And we can't give up the prospect that Texas can can reject Donald Trump. And the other blog post, which was similar to, to, to the one I just referenced, Senator Carol Alvarado um, observed Pledge of Allegiance Day at the end of, of December. And that's that's very good. Um, we should we should, you know, uh, th- those are our patriotic celebration celebrations. But her conception of Pledge of Allegiance Day was very limited. Um, she just posted up a, a Twitter meme. Maybe a, maybe a staff member did it. And I said that what Senator Alvarado could do to be patriotic, additionally patriotic, would to speak frankly about threats to civil liberties and democracy would be to prepare a detailed written plan of increasing November turnout in her low turnout chronically low turnout district. And if Beto O'Rourke, if in our safe legislative uh, U.S. House, Senate, Texas State Senate, Texas House districts had had good turnout, we would have defeated Ted Cruz. And the other thing, and this speaks to John Whitmire, uh, now as mayor, and Senator Alvarado was was one thing rarely she was politically active for was for, was for John Whitmire, speak to law enforcement unions who are supporting election deniers such as Ken Paxson and Donald Trump, there is no public safety without democracy. Just imagine that our law enforcement union, our local uh, HPOU police union, supported Ken Paxton. Imagine that, the most lawless, roguish wait, 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 wait. out there. I, I, I'm learning this now. Are you saying the Houston Police Union is supporting Ken Paxton? They endorsed Paxton in the last... Right in the last. I didn't know that. Race. I just learned sure. that. I didn't know that. That is crazy. You 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 supported a criminal, somebody under indictment. That is amazing. Okay, go ahead. And so I'm um, just 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 to wrap it up. Um, we we are seeing Trump yesterday was talking. This is this is all connected. Trump was talking about mass deportations and using law enforcement and listing local law enforcement for these deportations. Whitmire, he hasn't yet, he hasn't yet, to my knowledge, referenced the DPS state police troops since becoming mayor a couple of days ago. But that's his clearly stated intent. How will these DPS troops not be agents enforcing Trump's mass deportations? Texas SB4, which the Biden administration sued about yesterday, allowing routine traffic stops to become deportation, and then also. Trump's announced uh, uh, suspensions of civil liberties and use of the Insurrection Act. 
if he's returned to the White House. We're inviting in our own and our state representatives and our state senators who should be touring their districts, preparing people for uh, the, the, the prospect of authoritarianism, alarming them like Paul Revere about, you know, the, the, the fascism is coming. And instead, they're just catering to it. So the, up, the upshot is whether it's uh, the U.S. Senate primary with its giant statewide implication or just uh, Houston, Harris County area, State Senate District 6, we need to insist that our representatives are driving turnout, are standing up to forces that might not be on the right side, come in an authoritarian situation, and that they are uh, speaking clearly about the threats that are being stated right in front of us, stated right in front of us, and and still they do nothing different. You know, it, it is amazing because, uh, t- to put it bluntly, yeah, Democrats need to do that. Democrats need to stop being wimps. You know, I, I got a call from a, a, a rep last night, uh, and uh, I, I won't say what, you know, who she's representing right now. But I, you know, I, I, this was a young woman. And, uh, you know, we started talking and I, I, I said, what do they intend to do with X, Y, Z? And she said, oh, you can ask him that sort of stuff. And I said, yeah, but I, I, I want to know, is, are, are we going to get some other wimpy candidate that doesn't come out and, and point out the, the, the statements of facts? The Texas legislature, for all practical purposes, is committing murder as it doesn't allow the Medicaid expansion to the affordable care, which means a lot of Texans are without insurance, which instead of Democrats coming out straight and going into rural areas and saying, hey, the reason your hospital is closing is because you're Republican congressperson did not accept the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act. Are you going to go out there and say that? Are you going to go into these rural communities? And let me tell you what happened then. Um, I, 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 per, a person on Daily Coast wrote an article uh, titled, I don't have the title of the article, but in effect it says, oh, this is the title of the article he wrote at Daily Coast. And by the way, folks, you can start calling in 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. And you can ask about anything, whether it's something that I'm talking about, Neil's talking about, or whatever it is that you want to bring into the fold. Remember, we want to hear your stories. Um, 713-526-5738, 713 I also want to uh, hear what people think about the DPS coming and patrolling the streets of Houston. Every brown looking uh, Latino will become a suspect. And that is not racial profile on our part. It is racial profiling on Whitmire's part. It's racial profiling on the government. If he allows them into his city and, and, and Governor Abbott for instituting that policy in the first place. You become suspect for being a brown Latino. And notice I'm saying brown Latino because the phrase Latino means nothing. I'm a Latino, but anybody sees me, they see this black dude. They don't see Latino as we perceive it in the United States. Uh, Likewise, uh, there there are blue-eyed blonde Latinos that if they keep their mouth shut, Nobody knows they're Latino. So Latinos is sort of a catch-all phrase for just Spanish-speaking people that, you know what I'm saying. Anyhow, 713-526-5738. Llámame si tienes algo para decir sobre ese sujeto or whatever. So folks, 713-526-5738, extension number two, all lines are open. But anyway, Neil, uh, this guy wrote an article titled Sick of Democrats Ignoring Rural Democrats. And it turns out this guy 
there, uh, this particular rural area, I think it's in Pennsylvania, won a whole lot of Democrats got elected. And when the party had a function, they completely left them out. So I wrote him. I, you know, a lot of people didn't answer him specifically, but I wanted to answer him to tell him, brother, you are right. We need to stop forgetting about our rural brothers and sisters. So I said, thank you for posting this. I consider every poor working class or middle class American a potential vote, irrespective of their current party affiliation. We have the same problem here in Texas. One party and ca- one party and candidates get bad advice from elitist consultants who command huge salaries to give advice on stuff they know little about. Texas is not a red state. It is a neglected state. If you want the vote, you have to invest in areas where Republicans vote. I can tell you from experience talking to folks that these people know little about what democratic agenda means from their bread and butter life for their bread and butter lives. Why? Because we invest in overpriced, incompetent consultants and forget to invest our monies in grassroots organizations throughout the middle of the country. We need we don't need to convince the nut jobs. In other words, there are going to be some nut jobs that are that it, even if even if they're getting sliced, even if they're feeling pain, they will just vote their ideology because they just can't take it. We just need enough of the sane ones to get a supermajority. We just need sane people to vote to get supermajorities for the policies we support, irrespective of their ideological bent, irrespective of their party. Look, I'm a Democrat precinct chair who no longer waits for the party to do a damn thing. I use my shows, blogs, etc., for people to simply say, I want to do what's right for humanity. But you get the point, Neil. I did, and we and we saw the um, rural urban alliance. You and I were talking about it a little bit before we went on the air of yes. um, the school, the school choice, and so the test, the test for that. So you referenced uh, the the nut jobs. So the test will be that Governor Abbott. He's called uh, four, I think, special sessions. There may be more on the way to get his so-called school choice, uh, school choice for. Uh, uh, elite people or super religious people to get government money at the expense of urban and rural schools. Um, And so they now are in the March 5th primary going after the Republican state representatives who were opposed to Governor Abbott's voucher thing. And so uh, um, the small number of super ideologically right voters in primaries We'll be have we'll have a decision to make in these rural communities. Are are they going to keep um, their their state representatives who opposed the vouchers, or are they going to move even further right? Of course, of course, these same state reps were doing some pretty some, some pretty lousy things otherwise. But so those those voters uh, in those Republican districts will have a choice. Are they are they going to are they going to at least have something that serves their community, or are they going to go uh, just really full on fascist or full on Trump? You know, that is why I say, Neil, that we need to have those Democrats that want to win need to have respect for those people in the rural areas in this country. Because if they had I, I know you're, you're, they have they've done studies, right, 
where they says, well, you know, there are certain people, even though, you know, you, you give them the ideological, uh, you give them the reason why their ideological bent is wrong and they still want to do what they do. Then they'll say, these are just people that are inherently sexist or these are just people that are inherently racist. All of that is BS. Uh, I look at folks and I say, you go out to, you, you, you invite everybody into the fold. You're going to have those who accept and you're going to have those who don't. And, but uh, to, to go ahead and just believe that rural people inherently are racist or rural people are inherently sexist denies the fact of what the, you know, what we have on the East and West coasts as well. Look, um, you know, uh, people are people and they ten or most or a large plurality of them tend to when nurtured, uh, which is what Republicans have done to the rural areas, nurture these people. Yes. They fooled them. Yes. They abused their gullibility. Yes. They've done all those things. But what they've done is a piece of folks, 713-526-5738. Please do not wait until the end to call us up and give us your story. Tell us what you want, whether you want to talk about what we're talking about or whether you want to change the subject. 713-526-5738. Um, uh, I, I have a piece play taking a little break here from our uh, banter that I want to play. And this has to do with um, uh, with whether it is right for us to remove Scottus from, I mean, to remove Trump from the ballot. A lot of people say we should let the people decide. And, you know, for a long time, I, I felt that way. They're like, it'll tear up the country if we just take mm-hmm. Donald Trump off of the ballot. That's crap. I, yeah, I agree. I, I was thinking about it as well. And I'm like, you know, we should let the people decide. Well, let me ask you something, everybody that's listening to me. According to the Constitution, right? If you are over, you cannot be president under, if you're under 35, should we let the people decide and let Maxwell, who's 20 something years old, but a hell of a congressman, should we allow him to run for the presidency? Should we allow Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who I don't think is 35 yet, to run for the presidency? Uh, By the way, I am not a natural born American citizen. I was born in, in Panama. I cannot be president of the United States, even though I am a bona fide tax paying United States citizen. I cannot be president of the United States. Should we let the people decide? Maybe they maybe who knows? I don't know if they like me or not, but if they like me, should they have a choice to vote for me for president? The Constitution says I can't. The Constitution also says an insurrectionist cannot be president of the United States or hold any office. Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. He led the January 6th insurrection. He invited the people in on January 6th to come to the Capitol. He said, march on the Capitol. Take back your country. He's an insurrectionist. Therefore, he doesn't have legal rights to the ballot. So I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. I want to thank 
PDR Posse member Michael Rudnan for this one. I think it's important because what it does is it goes ahead and it puts to rest the idea that somehow these conservative judges on the Supreme Court can, with their, their, their sense of textualism, their sense of conservatism, their sense of reading the letter of the law out of the Constitution, whether it's valid or not, they claim that is the reasons they change things like, um, yeah, overturning the abortion law in the, in the Dobbs decision because why again? The Constitution never really gave that right. Uh, they are textualists. They are going to believe in what the Constitution said. Well, now that the Supreme Court has a, or rather now that the Constitution, that 14th Amendment in the Constitution, will they honor it? Will they honor it? You know, so they said, well, maybe it doesn't apply to the president. Hogwash. When it was established in the 1800s, they had that distinct discussion, office, uh, an office of the United States government. The presidency is one of those offices. Check this out. Take it on the other side. Multiple lower courts have already ruled that Trump himself did personally engage in insurrection. But a core question at issue here is for whom this insurrection clause was really intended. Which offices count? Which officers count? Was it intended for presidents and presidential candidates, or are they somehow exempted? Now, the Colorado Supreme Court, state Supreme Court, goes a long way towards resolving what the authors of this amendment were thinking about when they wrote this, whether they specifically intended this amendment, this Section 3 of this amendment, as a guardrail against presidents and potential presidents who engaged in insurrection. The state Supreme Court did some very, very deep research to make the case that, yes, this sure does apply to presidents and presidential candidates. And to that end, among the best and deepest cuts cited in this ruling is this one. It is a conversation between two senators in the year 1866 as they were literally writing the 14th Amendment. Senator Reverdy Johnson worried that the final version of Section 3 did not include the office of the presidency. He stated this amendment does not go far enough because past rebels may be elected president or vice president of the United States. So he asked, why did you omit to exclude them? I do not understand them to be excluded from the privilege of holding the two highest offices in the gift of the nation. Senator Lott Morrill fielded this objection. He replied, let me call the senator's attention to the words or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States. This answer satisfied Senator Johnson, who stated, hmm, perhaps I am wrong as to the exclusion from the presidency. No doubt I am. The senators who literally wrote the 14th Amendment specifically meant for it to apply to the presidency. It does not get any more originalist than that, my friends. And that is exactly the point here. Adam Serwer argues in The Atlantic today that this ruling from the Colorado State Supreme Court is going to put the court's conservatives between a rock and a hard place. The court's conservative justices often justify their decisions through the legal philosophy of originalism or trying to interpret what the founders meant when they wrote the Constitution. Sower writes that this Colorado Supreme Court ruling is calling the bluff 
of the U.S. Supreme Court's originalists, forcing its conservative justices to choose between their purported legal philosophy and the partisan interests of the party with which they identify. So it would seem. Now, Trump has until January 4th to appeal the Colorado State Supreme Court decision, and his campaign says it plans to. And when that happens, it will put the issue on hold until the Supreme Court makes its decision, meaning Trump will likely be on the Colorado Republican primary ballot. But whether he appears on the general election ballot in Colorado and potential potentially in any other states that could follow Colorado's lead, all of that will rest once again in the hands of the Supreme Court. It's clear, folks. It is clear. From a constitutional point of view, Donald Trump must be removed from the possibility of ever being president of the United States again. Folks may say some people will get upset. That may be the truth. But did we get upset when Donald Trump won with less than a popular vote? Yes, we did. But we didn't go ahead and destroy the nation. We followed the Constitution. Did we get upset when Al Gore lost to Bush with the electoral college, even as he won the popular vote? Yes, we were upset. But again, we followed the Constitution and we should this time again. We Absolutely so. Absolutely so. Anyhow, we have a tag on the line. So let's go ahead and get tag on the air and then we'll move on from there. Come on in tag. How are you doing this morning? Good. Good to hear that you're feeling better. Yes, I am. Actually, I feel maybe that's why I'm a bit excited because the pains are gone and I still have a little cough, but I feel great. Talk to me, brother. You know, I've been, I've been thinking about this, um, sugar high that a lot of mega people have uh, over these polls right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy how they can just see Trump being the next president just because of the polls a year out or whatever. And, and I've, I've come to the conclusion that a lot of these MAGA Republicans, um, they're, they're going through the eight stages of grief. You know what the eight stages of grief are probably, huh? I know you're going to teach me. Well, it's just depression and anxiety and, and, you know, the eight stages of grief are fascinating if you don't know what they are. And I'm, I'm not going to go through them now. People should look it up. Okay. I will. The thing is, is in, 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 in 2020, all these MAGA people had to deal with the eight stages of grief, which a lot of them never have. They're still kind of stuck someplace on step three or step five or something. And so in order to get over the eight stages of grief, they go back to that sugar high or cocaine high of, of looking at the polls and thinking, oh, yeah, this is all going to be over soon because the polls say that he's going to win again. It ain't going to happen. And then all of a sudden in 2024, they're going to be right back to another episode of the eight stages of grief again. And what are they going to do? Where are they going to go? They're, the, after 2024, I don't see any way that they could continue to, to say that Trump's going to win again in 2030 or whatever, you know, 2028. There's just no well, way. So eventually it, it is a, have to, go ahead, Tag. I'm ahead. sorry. Sorry. No, no I interrupted and, you. Go ahead. These, these, these MAGA Republicans are going to have to learn how to, how to 
um, deal with the eight stages of grief. And and until they do that, we're going to have a bunch of unstable people on that side of the political spectrum. So that's kind of what I want to say. And and um, I can wait for a response or I can get off the line, whatever you think. Well, be- before you get off the line, let me just say this. You know, um, what is sad is uh, is the power that have been ceded to uh, what many call the MAGA, specifically the MAGA Republican politicians who the reality is Trump has always been a paper tiger. He has never, ever won the popular vote. Ever. And each time that he's run, he has lost by a larger margin. So uh, the media and everybody else that plays this guy up like he's some powerful figure, if he is powerful, then, you know, and I, I, this is coming from somebody that isn't like fond of Biden, even though he will be, I will be voting for Biden again if Biden is a is a choice. Uh, uh, but uh, when you look at Biden's performance, uh, both economic, social, and and uh, and popular vote versus Trump, if you think Trump is great, you should think Biden is like extraordinarily great because again, he has outperformed Trump on absolutely every issue. That's a statement of fact that's quantifiable tag. It's, you know, we can talk about things, right? But there are certain, you don't have to like Biden. You don't have to like Trump, but you can still quantify things. And when you look at job creation, all these numbers, stock market, all these numbers, quantifiably beat Trump. So if you really think Trump was great, if you have your facts straight, man, you must think Biden is a god. Anyway, go ahead, Tag, before I go to Sharon. I I just want to say one more time that we all need to study the eight stages of grief and then overlay that what's happened to the MAGA party because it perfectly explains where these people are in 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 their mindset and and the idea that it's all being covered up those eight stages of grief are all being covered up by the sugar high or or drug induced high that they have from the polls right now the polls are telling these people boy things are going to be just fine here in another <laughs> eight months or whatever it ain't going to happen and then we're going to have this return to the eight stages of grief it, it just explained to me i just thought of this it's a great it's a great thing and i think once i'm going to go look, i'm going to go look that up tag but look thank you very much for calling brother let's go to sharon and before sharon comes in folks remember this thank you brother this is a call-in show 713-526-5738 again please don't wait till the end 713-526-5738 please give us a call now don't wait till the end una vez más 713-526-5738 extension number 2 713-526-5738 extension numero 2 let's go to Sharon come on in Sharon yes sir good morning my brother how you doing good morning brother talk to me yeah man I want to say that other people are hey Sharon you're breaking up a bit can you try to I don't know if you're in a you know, voice over IP. Yes, can you kind of, there we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope you can hear me much better. I mean, a new development. We all think Okay. Anyway, I was saying, um, okay, how can you call yourself a conservative or even originally when America was founded and preached it in? That's just a dog whistle for you being a sister. 
Because all those things you can serve in is what? I mean, that's a good point. You know, con- you don't want to conserve the bad. So if you call yourself a conservative, you know, maybe are you, is that what you're what saying? That's a good point. That's Go ahead. But, but that's exactly the point. It's logical because we see, look at Trump. What guy can go and quote Hitler in a 2023? I still in my own. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the fact of. I'm sorry. I mean, it's crazy, man. Yeah, and I think, uh, look, most people, uh, Brother Sharon, are good people whether they're Republican or Democrat, independent or whatever, most people basically are good people. You know, when I sit down in a coffee shop and I start to have a conversation, you know, I like to talk. I talk to anybody that's sitting next to me, whatever. I never first say, hey, what party are you affiliated with or anything? I usually talk. And it's amazing how great the conversations usually go when we're talking about regular things. And then ultimately we get into, uh, the good thing about it is when you build some kind of a, a relationship with people, even if it's on the first day and they kind of like you and you start talking politics, you can actually get through to them than if you, you just start from this shouting animosity kind of a thing. So, um, but as far as you're saying conservative, what are you trying to conserve? I read you and which you want to add anything to that brother Neil. Right. The well, right. Conservatism is supposed to. Um, it's not conserved. Right. It's we're not conserving anything decent. Right. I mean, if, we're not if conserving you, anything. It's, it's reactioning, and I, I think that's always, always. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're breaking up a bit, uh, Neil. So we'll take care of that. But anyway, anything else that you want to say, Sharon? Yeah, yeah, you see, you see, you see, a lot of people talk, and a, a lot of people in America, they get caught up in this news media rhetoric, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like um, Fox News and all those crap. A lot of people listen to it. It's just like anywhere else in any other country, like Russia. They have right. news media propaganda. It happens in America, too. Right. It happens quite frequently. Fox News and all these other cats, look how much of them got sued. Look you know, at it, Rudy Giuliani. Look at Rudy Giuliani. He getting sued. These guys are racist. Oh man! <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm I'm glad that you said that because Sharon, I want I want to I want to expand on what you said there. You said that you know we look at other countries and we say they succumb to propaganda, but the truth of the matter is we do too. We are no different than any other country in the world that succumbs to that. And I see Neil shaking his head, which means, Neil, you're gonna, you, you want to mention something about this. Uh, just the, 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 the notion, I think it's important to have that notion in some respects, we're just like any other country. We have this American uh, exceptionalism that we're not going to fall for this. We're not going to become a, a fascist state. Of course, we were a, a Jim Crow state until 1965. Um, so it, it, it is, that, that concept is important. It, it easily can happen here to take the, the title of a novel. And, and I also just, I just want to um, uh, say, I just, I just wanted to make the, the, the point of agreement with, with your points about Colorado and taking Trump off the ballot. You can't, you can't be cowed into not doing it because of the reaction. It's clearly what the constitution says. They want us to be afraid. 
Um, and we, we can't we can't be afraid. We, we, we can't be afraid. If, if we act that way, they will they will pound us and, and see that and just proceed. Absolutely. So we cannot cower to uh, to paper tigers. We cannot cower at all. Uh, Sharon, thank you so kindly for calling in. Thank you so kindly for listening. Keep listening. Keep calling. Thank you, brother. All right, let's go ahead. Brian is on the air. Brian, come on in, my brother. What's up? Oh, wait, hold on, Brian. Wait, Brian, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Folks, uh, callers, please don't wait till the very end. 713-526-5738, extension number two. 713-526-5738, extension number two, whether it's on a subject we're talking about or something that you want to talk about. 713-526-5738. Come on in, Brian. Okay, yeah, I want to briefly touch on uh, abortion again. Yes, sir. So, uh, Okay. Do you know that there are only two countries in the Caribbean that uh, abortion is legal? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Cuba and Guyana. Okay. Uh, what is the uh, the uh, uh, rules for abortion in Panama? I believe it or not, I'm from Panama, and I don't even know. Go. You know, again, and guess why I don't know? Wait, hold on, Brian. Guess why I don't know? Because these are subjects that. Uh, that we leave to women and, 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 and that sort of a thing. So I don't know. You tell me. Exactly like the state of Texas. Okay. Greg Abbott is a person for, for that, right? Greg Abbott is an evil person because of the rules that he set up for, for abortion. No, let me tell you why Greg Abbott is an evil person. Greg Abbott is an evil person because that woman whose life was in danger with that baby in her body, we had an attorney general representing the state of Texas who said this woman needs to die before they give her the option of removing the fetus that could have killed her from her body. That's what makes him evil. I don't even think in any Caribbean country, and I don't, you know, that would be allowed. Continue, please. Okay. Uh, the abortion law in Venezuela, what is that? I don't know. You know, I mean, you may know all of this better than I do, Brian. Yeah, but that's an evil country also, right? No, I don't think, I don't okay. think it's evil. I think you missed the point, though. You, you, you really missed the point. The point isn't the, the numbers. The point is what comes behind the numbers. Okay? And again... Uh, we are not going to compare ourselves with other countries. Uh, I believe, like I said, first of all, personally, as a, as a person, I would rather people not having to have an abortion. Our country does not have the social, the social structure to support children. We don't, I mean, we don't have a lot of safety nets that all these other countries have. All right. But we, at the same time, uh, uh, having a baby is not only, it's also an economic issue for women. And we tell them, you got to have that baby no matter what. And when that baby born, we don't give a damn. That's the kind of country we have. But continue, my dear brother. Okay. Now, abortion was mandatory in China during the one child policy. Okay. You could have one child. Okay. The man uh, had a vasectomy, and the woman had the choice of being sterilized or an IUD until the okay. time of the Okay. What's your if point? She, 
happen again. It was an abortion. It was a okay. mandatory abortion. Okay. So do you see the difference here? You have a choice or it's mandatory. All right. I'm still trying to see where you're going, but that's fine. Okay. Where am I going? Yes. All right. The government should not state what you do. The people state. Great. Thank you. Thank you. You just made my point. You just made my point. Thank you, sir. Okay. No, here's my point. It's not up to the government to make the decision. Oh. So you agree with you? Wow. You continue to agree with me. Yes, I do. It's up to the person, not to the government. The government should not tell you you cannot. The government should not tell you you must. Hmm. That's the point. Oh, wow. One person you're saying one person is evil because he is listening to the representatives. Greg Abbott doesn't just make up a law. He has to listen to the representatives and they say, hey, look, we don't want women to have abortions. Oh, you understand? Our, oh, yeah. Now I'm making sense, right? No. What what I'm saying is I think I, I think you're uh, first of all, yes, you're making sense. But you're still saying it is OK for the government to control a woman's body. I think he's saying I don't think you realize that you're speaking out of two sides of your mouth. No, 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 no. It's not OK for the government to say. It's mandatory. But your representatives is the government, sir. Yes, it is. And they are listening to the people. And the people say, no. Oh, I oh wait 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 a minute because Brian, I love you, brother. Because you know what? What happens is this: you prove to me, Brian. You come across here as being very tough and very single-mindedly right-wing. Okay. And I've, and I've been talking to Neil and others about us really engaging with everybody. And, you know, there are some people who tells me, uh, who tell me, don't engage with the Bryans of the world because the Bryans of the world, they're far gone. And you came out here and you started to analytically go through this issue one step at a time. And even though your conclusion isn't necessarily going to be what I think it's going to be based on your logical uh, steps. What you show me is that you are, in fact, a logical thinker. So as we get down to the latter stages, it seems to me like eventually we are going to break bread. Because first, let me, let me give you some examples here. You talk about the representatives and you talk. But at the same time, you talk about government. The representatives representing the people is government. I speak about every single time that those people who say government are the problem are actually speaking ill will of the people because people are the government, which you just agreed with. But Brian, I only have I'm at 55 and I need to get Donald in. I tell you what, you, you call this show all of the times and I always give you airtime. I got to let you go now, but I got to go to Donald and then we'll talk tomorrow. Thank you, brother. Let's go to Donald. Hey, good morning. Good morning, sir. Yes, uh, Brian hit the nail on the head. You can't individually 
attack one person for carrying out their job. True. The laws have to be rewritten. And the problem is we're a reactive. Our, yes. Our, uh, everything's reactive. So that's yeah. the problem we have. If you have a kid that screwed up and you see the problem, the school can't do anything until he actually commits a crime. And that's right. the problem we have right now. It's just like abortion is not illegal in the United States. It is 100% legal. It is up to the state to decide whether they approve it or not. And if you don't like it, move out of that state or change your representative. That can write the law. And that's you, it. Hey, but wait, wait, hold on, Donald. You nailed something that is very important. You said we are reactive and you are so true about that. Uh, in crime, we want to fight crime after it occurs as opposed to solving the problems that cause crime. In abortion, we're reactive. Instead of making lives better for people so that abortion is not something that is uh, we're, we're, we're people who don't want to get pregnant, don't get pregnant, meaning education and other things. We don't do that. You nailed it. But anyhow, I had to I have to run back to the studio and then get Neil to give some final words. Okay, so quick thing. As, yes. as one says. Off of your other guys think hurting people hurt people. We have to find the solution to make them stop hurting or give them a step up. And that's Thank it. you. You love your brother. You, you're absolutely right. Hey, studio, my brothers and sister, my my brothers in the studio. How you guys doing? <laughs> your brothers in the studio. Yes, that's yeah. us. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, I must say that uh, Brian finally came around. Yeah. So good for you, Brian. But I tell you what's going on is the extremists of the, well, the right, the far right wing fringe is telling the representatives, oh, we don't want this. But, you know, after uh, the child is born, they don't really care. They don't don't care for for child care. Nothing. Okay, well, that's it. Jack, Jack, real quick. Well, I just say kudos to Brian. I really appreciate what you said. I do too. Anyway, thank you very much, Jack. Let's give Neil a quick closer, Neil. We got to go. Great. Thanks for having me on. Everyone keep track of uh, John Whitmire in his first weeks of mayor. Be active and vocal. The Houston Democracy Project. You can Google it. We'll be talking about it. The Houston Democracy Project. Thanks. That is neilaquino.com, right? I mean, neilaquino.org? Uh, neilaquino.com. Thank you very much. Anyway, folks, thank you so kind of love all the audience. Love you listening. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Writing. You guys know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.